This is Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager, Canada's national source for the latest agronomic research, crop production, and technology trends. You've tuned in to hear conversations about relevant research, best production practices, and everything in between. This episode of Inputs is brought to you by Smart Nutrition MAP plus MST. Experience the latest, most efficient fertilizer system for delivering sulfur and phosphate to your crops throughout the entire growing season. Learn how to boost your soil's performance and maximize ROI with Smart Nutrition MAP plus MST at smartnutritionmst.com. Welcome everyone. My name is Dylan Shirley and I'll be your host for this week's episode. And today I'm joined by Laura Schmidt. She is the production specialist with Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers. Laura, how are you today? I'm wonderful. Thanks for having me, Dylan. Thanks for joining me today. So on this week's episode for Inputs, we're going to take a look back into Manitoba and see how the pulse in soybean, I guess, industry in general is uh, doing in the province. So uh, a couple weeks ago, or almost a month ago, we uh, were talking with John Gavlosky on the insect side and how those uh, potential bad insects might be uh affecting the pulse and soybean industry, but in general, uh, over the past year, how much acre wise are, uh, soybeans and pulses taking in Manitoba? Sure. So, um, in the last year, soybean acres were up slightly from 2020 with about 1.25 million acres, nearly 230,000 acres of peas were planted in 2021, which is an increase of about 46% from 2020 and nearly a doubling of the previous five-year average acres in the province. Dry bean acres were down slightly at about 175,000 acres and faba beans came in at about 5,200 acres. For 2022, we are hearing a slight increase in expected acres from folks trying to take advantage of these nitrogen-fixing legume crops. I always hear that growing pulses are always a, uh, a great thing to put in just because, you know, they put nitrogen back in your soil and also you're going to be reducing your fertilizer costs at the end of the year. So um, looking back from this past year, uh, what were the kind of yields that producers were coming up from their fields? Uh, so just to start off with, it was a challenging growing season that really played with the extremes of weather. We had dry soils in spring and an early start to seeding to try and capture what little moisture there was. During seeding, we went from a killing frost in many areas of the province to plus 30 temperatures within a week. And that was followed up with extreme heat in June and July, along with little rain uh, to above normal rains in August. But thankfully, since soybeans are a longer season crop, many fields were able to take advantage of that August moisture and funnel it into pod fill and yield. So at the end of the season, soybean yields ranged anywhere from 25 to 50 bushels an acre, averaging in the low 30s. And this ended up only being slightly below our five-year average of 35 bushels an acre. Peas ranged anywhere from 15 to 65 bushels an acre, and it really depended on the timing of that, those few rains that came in July. The interlake was hit the hardest with several write-offs for peas. As an average, I'd expect somewhere in the mid-30s for the whole province, which is well down from our almost 50 bushel an acre average over the last five years. But I should note that the five-year average in peas has been up overall, since it has been a bit drier and peas haven't really been hit hard by a root rot that are quite a bit more common in the wetter spells. Uh, unfortunately, this year, July was just too dry in most of the province for, for pea pods to fill well. Uh, on dry beans, they ranged anywhere from 1,000 to 1,600 pounds an acre, and that was largely, again, dependent on moisture. 
and it's likely going to be down on a whole from the five-year average. Yeah, I imagine anyone living on the prairies this past summer was a bit wanting a bit more moisture, perhaps. And it seems like uh, Manitoba pea growers were uh, also within that boat. So we've heard about how awful climate was this past year for growers in general, but um, were there any kind of other challenges that they faced? Um, Maybe uh, some new diseases or pests that they might have seen? Certainly. Um, So before I get into it, every challenge this year was certainly overshadowed by heat, drought, and their combined effects on the crop. But some pests and weeds do also thrive much better when it's hot and dry. So weed control was one such challenge. Timing herbicide applications was difficult between frost, extremely high temperatures, and high winds. So herbicides are going to work best when weeds are actively growing and growth rates overall were just slow. Plus, many of our weed species will develop characteristics to combat dry conditions like thicker cuticles, close stomata during the day, among others. So which all in all just kind of further limit herbicide uptake by weeds. And these challenging conditions also meant we needed to watch for injury to our pulse crops from applying herbicides outside their optimal windows. But also in the weeds world, this summer we had the first case of the famously herbicide resistant weed Palmer amaranth, and it was found in a black bean field in the RM of Dufferin. Along with this, we had an expansion of the range of tall water hemp in Manitoba, which is now confirmed in seven municipalities. So along with these herbicide-resistant heavy hitters, we got confirmation from AAFC that we've got the acamba-resistant kochia on top of glyphosate resistance in Manitoba. So all in all, this means we really need to pay attention to weed control in our comparatively uncompetitive pulse crops, and that we should expand beyond just glyphosate applications alone in soybeans. We need to make use of effective pre-emergent herbicide options with some residual control and consider tank mixes catered to the weed spectrum we have in each respective field. And then for the pigweed escapes later in the summer, it's important that we take the time to identify them and find out if they're tall water hemp or palmer amaranth. And an easy place to start is to look for hairs on the stem. So red root pigweed is hairy. And if it's smooth, investigate it further. Thanks for the fantastic tip there on uh, identifying the different weeds. So uh, on top of weeds, were were other things kind of like root rot an issue this past year? So disease pressure and root rots on a whole were down. Peas don't do well with wet feet. In some fields, root rots did set in around those spots following large rain events early in the season. And those peas did suffer the most once it turned dry since the root mass just wasn't there to get moisture from a depth. For soybeans, Phytophthora root rot did pop up as well in some fields. And in many cases, it was those that had tighter soybean history. So disease loads in those fields were greater. Soybean cyst nematode is a pest that we're keeping an eye out for in Manitoba. It has been confirmed in low numbers in a few fields that we've surveyed in the past, but this year was the first time that we'd found a field where soybean plants had visible cysts on the roots, and that's a sign of higher numbers. So SCN is considered a silent yield robber because once we see these visible above ground symptoms, as much as 30% of our yield may already be lost. So it's important that from July to September, we go out and we dig up soybean roots to check for cysts. Early detection is going to be key for managing this pest. And SCN, like root rots, also compromises roots. So under dry conditions, we're more likely to see symptoms appear earlier, and especially on those lighter textured soils. On the pea side of things, Aphanomyces root rot is a disease to watch for since it's quite destructive and difficult to manage. It is a water mold, so it'll be worse in wet or waterlogged soils. The most effective management tool we have is to extend rotations and avoid planting peas 
in moderately to highly infected fields to let those oospore levels decline over time. This means crop rotation away from peas and other hosts like lentils or alfalfa for six to eight years or longer. Research is invested heavily in finding solutions for aphanomyces, both genetically and agronomically. So for pea farmers, if you've got root rot in your field, it doesn't hurt to send a sample to the crop diagnostic lab and see if it's a phanomyces. You can also soil test for the oospores as well. The first step in managing any disease is going to be knowing if you have it. Definitely. So you said send uh, samples out to the crop diagnostic lab. Where can uh, people, or I guess Manitoba growers, where can they find the directions to send things to them? Sure. So the crop diagnostic lab is run by Manitoba Agriculture. Um, So if you just Google it, it will have locations on how you can collect samples as well as where you can send them. Uh, But that lab is based in Winnipeg, so you can kind of just drop off samples or mail them in using the address they have online. Great. Thanks for uh, dropping that information along. So another big reason why uh, we're talking today is to kind of check in on some of the major significant investments that the Manitoba pulse industry in general has seen over the last couple of years with particular interest in the Rockette uh, pea processing plant that happened in Portage La Prairie. Um, can you kind of talk about how some of these investments have changed the overall landscape of the pulse industry in Manitoba? Yeah, so Rockette officially launched its pea processing plant this last year. Uh, pea acreage has increased and you can kind of see that when I talked about pea acres at the start of when we were chatting there. Um, many acres are grown on contract for Rockette and other plants now, but there's also just more general interest in growing peas. As more of your neighbors have success with peas, there's kind of interest in dipping your toes into growing them and see if they'll work on your farm. Plus, with fertilizer prices the way they have been this winter, there's just a lot of interest in these nitrogen-fixing legume crops, peas and others like faba beans and soybeans too, and how they can benefit in your crop rotation. So outside of the operations that Rockette are doing, uh, where are some of the, uh, I guess, the pea production um, outputs? Where are they getting sent to? Are they just going for feed? Are they going for fertilizer? Like where are people exporting their, uh, I guess, their crops at the end of the year? Um, So at the end of the season, uh, those that are grown on contract will be going to their respective buyers, but we do have quite a few different options for pea growers where they will sell their crops. So some are just taking them to elevators, some are growing on contract, but the the list of those that buy peas is quite long. (laughs) Uh, So I'm not sure that I have a perfect answer for your question there. We have processing, but we also have just uh, buyers and brokers too. Well, I'm glad to hear that they have an extensive list that, that people are yeah. taking advantage for, for um, growing not just, you know, soybean and peas, but also other kind of pulses as well. Um, yeah, on our website, we do have a pulse and soybean buyer list. So that's kind of anybody that's registered um, to buy pulses. What is it registered with? CGC to buy pulses. Um, so we have that buy crop on our website too. Great. And uh, just before we go, let's look ahead, you know, uh, into this upcoming growing season. Uh, What are some of the main things or main suggestions that you would provide uh, Manitoba growers before they actually start going out to their fields? Uh, So the best strategy you can use is to start with the best possible launch for your crop. 
An adequate plant stand that's been seeded into ideal conditions at the right time will be the most resilient to external factors, be it diseases, weeds, or extremes of weather. Um, this year is kind of the year to use strategies that conserve soil moisture, maintain residue, minimize soil disturbance. Uh, we've had some dry conditions, so let's also watch out for herbicide carryover concerns. Um, and if it does turn wet in peas, you'll want to be putting them on well-drained fields to help combat that root rot issue. Overall, scout regularly to see what's in your fields and don't be afraid to reach out to provincial specialists for IDs or confirmations on what you're seeing. Uh, the best way to manage your crop is to know what you're dealing with and see how what's emerging out there for pest issues. But most importantly, I feel like for 2022, uh, let's be flexible and have a plan B and C. Things can change quickly and we need to be really resilient and adaptable this year. It's a really good time to be proactive rather than reactive. For sure. Definitely uh, have the entire uh, plan list all the way to Z. Make sure that you're ready for whatever uh, this upcoming year will throw at you. Well, Laura, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, where can people find you and contact you if they're looking for some kind of idea on, on uh, what they find in their field? Sure. Um, so once again, I'm Laura, a production specialist with Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers. So all of the information I've talked about today, as well as more and contact information for us can be found on our website at manitobapulse.ca. And feel free to reach out to us anytime for anything Pulse and Soybean related. Great. Well, again, thank you, Laura, for joining me on Inputs this week. Thanks for having me, Dylan. Thanks for tuning in to Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager. To catch up on all of our other episodes, visit topcropmanager.com slash podcasts.